All right, all right. You guys excited for Christmas? Come on. I'm excited for Christmas. I love Christmas, and I love the story of Jesus at Christmas time. Now, some of us just think about baby in a manger, and we're like, ah, that's silly. But think about Christmas. Jesus, God, who's been with the Holy Spirit and with the Father for all of eternity, comes and lives as a human being. And he's born in some stinky manger and some stinky motel. Jesus is born, and then he comes and he lives among us. And he comes as the Prince of Peace, as that verse says, and he brings salvation to the world. So what I want to do for the next three weeks as we finish out this semester is talk about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. I'm going to talk about how Jesus came to bring us peace. And tonight we're going to talk about anxiety. So something you may know about me if you've been around for a while, if you haven't, you don't know this, is I personally have had an issue or a struggle with anxiety throughout my life. So it's come in different seasons. I've had years and years of like no anxiety, and then I've had just different spells where it will seem to have its way in my life. And so tonight what I want to do is share just a little bit about my story. But I don't want to focus too much on myself. I want to look at the scriptures and what God has to say. But I also do want to share my story. So for me, when I was in middle school, that's when my anxiety began to rear its head. So in sixth grade, all the elementary schools from my school district came together to be in the middle school. Okay, And with that came people that I didn't know. And so that brings some anxiety as it is. You're around a bunch of new kids. But then a few kids, you know, decided that it would be fun to pick on me a little bit. So that caused me to become anxious to go to school. I didn't want to go to school a lot of days because I didn't want to be made fun of. Uh, So that began then. Those guys ended up working out, and they ended up being a lot nicer than they were at the beginning, and the anxiety kind of subsided. But then when I was in eighth grade, it began to come back again, but this time in a different form, as I began to have this strange, strange fear of public speaking. It was really, really weird. It just came out of nowhere throughout elementary and early uh, middle school years, I would share in class all the time. I'd talk. It was all good. But then in eighth grade, this fear of public speaking began to come over me. And we had to give a speech in my language arts class. And I remember the whole semester, I was thinking about it and how scared I was. And by the time I got up there, my hands were shaking like this. If you've ever given a speech and you struggle with your hand shaking, you know what I'm talking about. And I began to talk really fast. And with that, I began to stutter because I was trying to talk so fast that it was tough to get the words out and speak clearly. So now I thought I had a stutter. So like, I began to stutter during that speech, so it actually made me begin to worry more about my speech. So then I wouldn't even raise my hand in class because I was afraid I would stutter like I did during that speech. And this kept going on and on for a couple years. And then when I was in 10th grade, my pastor came to me and said, hey, I see this call on your life uh, for full-time ministry. Would you consider preaching at a or preaching at the youth group, and I said, dude, you got the wrong guy. I probably didn't say dude, he was my pastor, but I said, pastor, you got the wrong guy. I do not like to give speeches in front of people. That's not my thing. And then he said, Daniel, grab your Bible. I'm going to show you a story. So I went to Exodus 4. It's a story of Moses, okay? So we're going to throw those verses up on the screen. And the pastor told me, he said, Daniel, God used people in their weaknesses. He used people who had these weaknesses to do great things for him, and he used Moses specifically in this area. So So Moses had a stutter. So let's read what it says. God calls Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, but then Moses tries to debate God on whether or not he's the guy for the job. So it says, but but then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you've spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, 
And we said, who has made man's mouth? And who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And now go, and I'll be, or be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And this has really been a life verse for me since then. This encouraged me, and it told me that, hey, my speaking is not on me, it's on God. If God is calling me to preach the gospel, then he'll take care of it, okay? So I got up there as a 10th grader, and I preached the best six-minute sermon of my life. It was amazing. No, it wasn't that good. It's on my phone. If you ever want to listen to it, I'll let you listen to it. It's on my Apple Music. I still have it. I talked about not going through the motions, but going all out for God as a 15-year-old. And this began this, uh, just this journey. I preached a couple more times in my youth group. But then for a few years from the time I was a junior to the time I was a uh, sophomore in college, I didn't preach at all. I just had this uh, time of not preaching. But then as a sophomore in college, I preached in front of Chi Alpha. So that was, what, six years ago? Preached in front of Chi Alpha, and it went really well. Something I began to see was God was using my weakness for his glory. People would come to know the Lord. Uh, God was anointing my speech, and God wanted to use this for my life. So I realized that God was calling me to be a preacher full time. And now today, I do it every single week, and I think it's one of the things that God has gifted me to do, but I feel like God chose to give me a little bit of a stutter. God chose to give me a little bit of anxiety when it comes to speaking, so when I preach and when people come to know him, then it wouldn't be about my greatness, but I know it's only through God, because I'm telling you guys the truth. If the Holy Spirit did not help me, I'd be completely different up here, and I'm not saying I'm great, but I'm saying it'd be way worse. It'd be really bad, because there's this anxiety that just, uh, you know, sometimes there's spears its head in my life when it comes to public speaking, but, but God has given me tools to overcome this anxiety. So what I want to do tonight is really, uh, just like I said, share my story and share how uh, the things I've learned on how I've been able to have some victory and anxiety and worry in the, or just in that area of my life. And I know that all of us, probably all of us, most of us, if not all of us, have been touched by this terrible beast of anxiety or by worry, in some extent. Maybe you don't get super anxious, but you do worry about your test. You worry about things that God has told you not to worry about. Maybe you worry about your future. Maybe you worry, hey, am I ever, or am I going to find a Christian spouse? Okay? There's a lot of people in here. That's what you're thinking about a lot. Am I going to find a Christian spouse? Am I going to be able to pass my test? Am I going to be able to, to pay my U bill? Am I going to be able to accomplish all that God has called me to do? What's that person going to think about me? You know, a lot of you, including me, we have social anxiety because we're so stinking concerned about what people think of us. There's so much social anxiety in our generation. It's ridiculous. We're so worried. What if I sound stupid? Who cares if you sound stupid? Just be you. Be who God's made you to be. And if someone don't like you, hey, I like you. So you can hang out with me. But so many of us have social anxiety. So tonight, I think God is going to call us to trust him, to put our worries at his feet and say, Jesus, you love me more than I even love myself. Jesus, you love me more than my mom loves me. Jesus, you love me more than my best friend loves me. And Jesus loves you that much. He's going to take care of you, okay? I think God's going to call us into the spot where we trust him with our daily trials, our daily uh, concerns. But here's the thing. On our own strength, we're not going to be able to walk in this trust and confidence. If we just say, hey, hunker down and trust God, then we're not going to be able to overcome it. But something supernatural has to happen in our hearts where his love compels us to be different. His love compels us to trust him. It's got to be supernatural. So I'm praying, even as I preach, that the Holy Spirit would show you just how much 
Jesus cares for you. Because if you get that truth in your heart, all of a sudden you're not going to worry about all these things that you worry about. Because you know that the God over the hundreds of billions of galaxies cares about your life. And if that God cares about you, if he can handle the stars, then he can handle you. If he can handle all the planets and the sun being in the right position to give us just the right amount of heat, then he can handle your test, okay? Your test is nothing. You got to study, all right? So don't be saying, it's all faith. I'm going in there. I'm going to do great. Don't be doing that now. But if you study and you give it to the Lord, he'll help you through it. So tonight's sermon is this, peace over anxiety. Jesus has come to give us peace. He's come to give you peace over your anxiety tonight. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, wants to give us supernatural peace. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. There's a profound passage here that's going to guide our talk tonight. And while you're turning, I just want to say this. If you're new tonight, I'm glad you're here. You decided to come the week before Thanksgiving, which is not always the most exciting week because everyone's like, hey, I'm about ready to go home. And you don't think about Kai Elf on the week before Thanksgiving, but you came tonight, so I want to say thank you for being here. We're glad you're here. And if you're returning, I'm glad you're here too. It just makes me so happy to see my friends every week, right? All right. So Prince of Peace is what we're doing tonight. We're going to talk about how Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he has come to give us peace during this Christmas season. So Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Don't turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. It says this, and this is the, the verses that are kind of uh, guiding this whole series. To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So this was written down 700 years before Jesus came, prophesying about a child being born who's going to be the prince of peace. These prophecies are amazing that you read in the Old Testament. You see things written down, and you're like, hey, you know, Jesus fulfilled that. But this was written way before Jesus came. Isn't that incredible? There's so many prophecies throughout the scriptures that point to Jesus. So there's another verse in Isaiah that I just love. It's in chapter 26. It says this in verse 3. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Guys, if you want peace, fix your mind on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Focus on him. He's got your back. What's verse 4 say? It says, because he trusts in you, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So that's going to kind of guide our talk. Is tonight we're going to talk about anxiety, and then next week we'll talk about control, peace over control. Some of you want to control everything about your life, and Jesus is going to free you from that. And the third week we'll talk about bitterness. We're going to get some bitterness off our chest before we go to Christmas break, because we don't want you being grumpy at Christmas dinner, okay? All right, but tonight we're looking at Philippians chapter 4. So Philippians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. And the church at Philippi was a relatively healthy congregation comparatively to some of the other churches that Paul writes to. He's genuinely pretty positive in this letter. And this particular congregation had a special place in Paul's heart because it was the first church that he planted in Europe. So there's just the special place that uh, the church at Philippi had in his heart. And in this specific time, Paul's in prison. Okay? He's in prison and he's writing to the Philippians and he's encouraging them to press onward in their faith. The big purpose of this letter is to encourage them to continue their progression of faith. Because the reality is, is when we come to know Jesus, you know, if zero is the line where we come to know Jesus, all right, let's think of that. We start out at zero, and then we're supposed to progress. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to see sin begin to get off of our lives. We're 
I was supposed to keep trusting more and more in the Lord. So Paul's saying, keep going. Like, I'm in prison. It stinks, but I'm trusting in Jesus. Keep going. And Paul is hoping that through his example of being in prison and still trusting the Lord and still going after it, will encourage them to do the same when they face trials. So that's the context that uh, this, uh, that this book is written in. So let's look at verses 4 through 9 of Philippians chapter 4 and see what, the Paul, or see what Paul says in that context. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice and let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, y'all. And let your requests be made known to God. I didn't plan that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, and whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Come on, somebody. I'm pumped. I'm getting excited. All right, so the main idea tonight is this. Through Jesus, we can have deep contentment and joy, no matter what our circumstances are. Deep contentment and joy is available to the believer in Jesus Christ, no matter what your circumstances are. Paul's in prison, and he had deep, deep contentment. So each of us can have deep contentment within the prison of you and I, okay? All right. I'm just kidding. It's not a prison. I love this school. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for tonight. We just pray that your presence would be here with us. We just thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I pray that peace would flow like a river tonight. God, I pray for that for those who walked in with anxiety, that your Holy Spirit would do something supernatural and give them freedom tonight, that you'd give them peace in the midst of all the concerns and bad circumstances in life. God, I pray that you'd give them peace, give me peace. And God, I pray that during this Christmas season, we could just rest in you. In your name, amen. All right, so the first point tonight is this. Get ready. Chloe, you ready? Come on, you ready? You look like you're about to sleep. I'm just kidding. All right. The first point is this. We can have freedom from anxiety and worry. We can have freedom from anxiety and worry. Do you believe that tonight? Do you believe that you can have freedom? Because some of you have given in to the lie that anxiety has to reign in your life. It's what culture tells you. Oh, it's just happening to me. It has to take over my life. Guys, I'm someone who struggles with anxiety, but I'm here to say that you can have freedom tonight. The devil wants to tell you that you can't have freedom, but I'm here to say that you can through Jesus. Jesus can give you freedom, and Jesus may use medical professionals to help you as well. I'm not uh, saying that that's not possible, but I think tonight we need to look at the source of peace, the prince of peace, Jesus, and say, anxiety does not have to reign in my life. We need to get that truth in our bones tonight. Jesus calls us to not be anxious, but it's easier said than done, right? Finals are coming up. Our bills need to be paid. We have relational struggles. Some of you have been fighting with your best friend. Quit it, all right? Current events are troubling. There's things going on. There's so many things to be anxious about. And some of you have been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, and you have to take medication. There's serious things to be anxious about. And speaking of anxiety disorders, did you know that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in America? Did you know that 18% of American adults have anxiety, have clinical anxiety. Do you know that's one in five almost? And almost 40 million American adults have an anxiety disorder. We spend over $2 billion a year on anti-anxiety medication. $2 billion a year. 
Experts attribute America's hyper-anxious population to a few different things. One of the biggest things that I think is really true is we're so much more less communal. We're less communal than we used to be, okay? Civilizations are not typically, they're typically this individualistic, okay? So our life is on our back. Like, I got to watch out for me because you don't have your grandparents, your parents to lean on. Like, back in the day, grandparents, parents, kids, their kids, like, they all live together. But now we're like, hey, I'm going to go live by myself in New York in a loft. It's going to be sweet all by myself, this big space just for me. I'm going to draw pictures and be by myself. No, I'm kidding. But our society is really individualistic, right? So when it's all on you, you're going to be more anxious. For me, when my preaching's on me, I'm way more anxious. But then when I say, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is with me, then all of a sudden I have peace. So maybe we need to lean on each other a little bit more in this place. So that's one reason. I think the other reason, there's two, I think, two big reasons is social media. So every single day you're just scrolling your newsfeed and everyone's highlight reel is just hitting you. Wow, that person's amazing. Emily Johannemeyer, that girl is so amazing. And look at my life. And look at my life. I'm not as cool as she is. And you get anxious. You start uh, just not being content. You start uh, just worrying about your life and saying, hey, I need this, I need that. I'm not content. I don't have joy because I don't have what they have. So I think those two things are probably two of the biggest causes of why we have so much anxiety in our country. In 2002, the World, um, the World Mental Health Survey found that Americans are more anxious than people in Nigeria, than people in Lebanon, than people in the Ukraine. So we're the most privileged people on the planet, but at the same time, we're the most anxious. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Anxiety is something that has probably touched each of us in this room. But despite the power of anxiety, despite its prevalent nature, Jesus says, do not be anxious. In fact, anxiety, I'm not going to say clinical anxiety, but I'm saying anxiety, worrying about stuff. If you have something going on in your brain, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying anxiety is sin. It's sin. It is not God's will for your life. And worry is sin. He says, do not be anxious. I'm not trying to diminish those of us who struggle with clinical anxiety, but I'm saying that Jesus is not calling you into that. That's not his will for your life. He has a better way. He did not create it that way in the beginning. If he didn't create it that, or that way in the beginning, then restoration and healing is possible, right? Healing is possible. Jesus has been in the business for the last 2,000 years of just opening blind eyes and, and opening deaf ears and helping mute people speak. I think if he can do those things, then he can free us from anxiety. I believe that tonight. You know, Matthew 6, 25 through 27 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? So with Jesus' call in mind, the first thing we have to get today is that it that anxiety is not God's will. Yes, it's a serious mental health issue, and I'm not going to oversimplify it. I'm not going to say just pray more and it'll work out. That's not the reality for some of us. But I do want to point you towards Jesus tonight. I want to say, hey, he needs to be part of the solution. Maybe he'll use you know, some medication to help you as well, but Jesus wants to be part of your solution. He's not completely out of this. It's not like he can't touch things that are dealing with our health, okay? So Jesus needs to be in the focus, and there is spiritual help for anxiety. There are some things that each of us can do to, or to be less anxious. And Paul points to that here in this passage. 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says this. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So tonight, I just believe that Satan wants to back you into a corner. He wants to tell you that anxiety has to have the final word. But Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but instead pray, pray. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The scripture is clear. We're called to be a people who refuse anxiety and cling to Jesus. We're called to be people who trust that God is in control, that he's taking care of us. So when I was a toddler, well, about five years old, I was really scared to jump into the pool. Is anybody else with me there? Okay, just me. I'm the only loser who was five and didn't want to jump in the deep end. Okay, you guys are all amazing. So I was scared to jump into the pool, but then when my dad was in the pool, things changed, you know, because dad's there. Like, he's like barely, you know, staying above water, but he's there. Something about that just makes me confident. And my brothers and my older sister would do backflips in the pool. They'd be like doing this thing, I don't know, like doing the flip where you land on your back. That's so cool. Uh, but for me, like, like, I wouldn't jump in unless dad was in the pool. Because he would say, don't worry, Daniel, I'll catch you. And I believed him. Because, you know, when you're that young, your dad's unstoppable, right? You know, he's unstoppable dad. Let your glory go on. Okay. <laughs> but see, that's what I was thinking. So, so he promised me, he said, Daniel, I'm not going to let you drown. So I'd jump in. And I'd maybe do a trick while going in because dad's there, right? Cannonball it up. Come on. Cannonballs. And I think this applies to our spiritual battle with anxiety. We need to have a deep understanding, our deep understanding that God is a good father. And we need to trust that he's sitting in the pool of our lives and he's ready to catch us. That doesn't mean that there won't ever be hard times or tough seasons in your life, but it does mean that he'll always be there. He'll be there. He'll be holding you, keeping your head above water. If you trust in him, there's truly or truly no reason to be anxious. So first and foremost tonight, we need to be a people who are intentional about keeping our eyes on and trusting in Jesus and acknowledge that God is able to free us. That's the first thing. So let's dig a little deeper. Let's see what's causing our anxiety. So the second point is this tonight. Anxiety is a symptom of deeper issues. If we want peace from anxiety and worry, then we need to understand that these things, fear, depression, anxiety, where they're often symptoms of deeper issues. They're not the actual issue. They're symptoms of something else. Something is causing us to be anxious. Something is causing us to fear. So Greg Henriquez, a PhD, he's a psychologist, he says this, depression and anxiety are for, are for the large majority of cases emotional signals, so like symptoms, that someone's psych, or psychological health is, is not ideal and that one's psychosocial relational needs are not being met. So this is from Psychology Today, and I don't think this guy's a Christian. He cussed in his article. Maybe he is. But so he's just saying, he's saying, hey, like they're typically, it's typically a symptom of something else. Something's going wrong inside the human who's struggling with anxiety. So anxiety is a signal of something deeper going on that each of us just need to deal with. So just as doctors don't fix broken arms by just giving you pain medication and saying, hey, just feel better. Just don't have the hurt. But instead they go into the arm and they fix the broken bones. If we want to get some healing and some freedom from anxiety, we have to find those root issues that are causing it. And we need to ask ourselves, what's causing me to be anxious? What is pulling at my peace? What is uh, just making me worry or fear? And we need to identify it. 
This is the first step to peace. Until you pinpoint your source of anxiety, then you won't be able to have any peace. So to get you thinking in the right direction, let me use an example from my life. For my public speaking fear, the fear was really two-pronged. There's two roots that I think were there. The first thing is this, the fear of looking foolish. I really care what people think about me. It's really bad. It's a sin I'm working through. So just like, have grace, okay? Stop judging me. Uh, that's the first thing. I really care what people think about me. The second thing is I'm a control freak, okay? There's another repentance thing. I'm a control freak. And speaking isn't something you really, like, think about, right? You just do it. It just happens. And I want to, like, sit and examine it sometimes. Be like, hey, how can I say it fluently and all this stuff and, you know, make sure that the words come out right? But sometimes you're going to stutter. That's with anybody. Everyone's going to stutter if they're talking fast or whatever. So I would, like, overthink it before I would speak. I'd be like, hey, i got to make sure I do this right. i got to make sure it's all good. So I'm a control freak, and I care what people think about me. I'm narcissistic and a control freak, okay? So those are the two sources for me, that were causing my anxiety. So then when I get to a place where I say, I don't care what anybody think about me. I'll be goofy up there. I don't care. Like, if something goes wrong, who gives a poop? Like, what are you guys going to do to me? You're not going to kill me. Or you could kill me, but then I'm with Jesus, okay? So just saying. And the second thing is I've had to learn to give up control and to trust God. And in that place, there's so much peace because I know that he's got my back. It's not on me. It's not on you. It's on Jesus, all right? That should free you up a little bit. That has to free us up in this place. Jesus has our back. But your roots may be different. There may be something else that's causing you to worry about your life. So what I want to do is name three that I think are the most prevalent. And there's more. This is not an exhaustive list. I don't pretend to know everything about this. But I think there's three main things that cause our anxiety. And I think all three of these things are discipleship issues. So the cool thing is you can look at your anxiety, trace it down to the root, and say, hey, that's something in my heart that I need to work on. So for me, narcissism, control freak, Things I need to work on, okay? Discipleship issues. So let's trace it for you guys or what I think could be causing it for us. The first thing is self-preservation. So we're overly focused on ourselves. We're overly focused on preserving our lives. You know, Matthew 6, 31 through 32 says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, they're saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Or wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So Jesus knew that self-preservation is a root, if not the most prevalent root of our anxiety. We're so worried about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. Me, 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 me. And we desperately want to protect ourselves. We are slaves to self-preservation and self-centeredness in our culture. We've grown up in this culture that says it's all about you. you worry about yourself. Participation ribbon for stinking. That's our culture. We're slaves to self-preservation, we're slaves to ourselves. In a survey conducted by the Independent in the UK, they found that the top things that people worry about were these things. Let me read them for you. The first thing is getting old. Okay, I worry about that. I don't like getting old. Two is savings, financial future. Some of you don't have savings. That's me, too. Okay, so that's the second thing. The third thing is low energy. I haven't had a lot of energy lately either, so that does get me worried. I'm tired. It's almost Thanksgiving. Come on, I need some turkey. That's why I'm feeling all right. The fourth thing that makes it worse, that's true, is diet. Fifth thing is credit card debt. Sixth thing is job security. Uh, seven's wrinkles. Come on, really? That's superficial. Eight is physique. And nine is paying rent. Ten is unhappiness. And the list goes on. There's also in that list that goes down, like the way you look, the way you dress, things like that. Crazy stuff. But the thing I noticed that on this list, that there's nothing about world hunger, there's nothing about 
the current situation in North Korea? There's nothing about the crazy stuff going on in our world. There's nothing about our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ that are struggling with sin. It's all about me. It's all about me. I'm getting old. My wrinkles, oh no. My wrinkles, I don't have a bunch of cash in the account. It's all about me. So guys, if we can be freed from the self, then that can start to take care of some anxiety. When we get to this place where we just have this, this reckless abandon before Christ, we're just like, God, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. All I care is what you think about me. If we can get to that place, there's going to be some freedom coming. If, guys, if we can get to a place where we lay down our lives for Jesus and say, it's not about me. I don't have to preserve my life. Then we can get to a place of freedom. All right? Second thing tonight, fear of man, which is very tied in with the first one. Fear of man. There's a lot of us who care way too much what people think of us. Fear of man is a big cause of anxiety. What others think of us causes our anxiety, social anxiety specifically, as I said earlier. And we need to get to a place where all we care about is God's opinion. So Hebrews 13, verse 6 says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Come on, writer of the Hebrews. That's so good. Come on. What can man do to me? What can they do to me? Nothing. They kill me. I'm hanging out with Jesus. Come on. Like, what can they do to me? And we're all worried about tests and all that stuff and do good at that thing. But, or do good at those things. But at the end of the day, just get a good perspective. Like, what can they do to you? Fear of man is driving us to anxiety. The devil is making us care more what people think about us than what God thinks about us. And it's causing us to be anxious. The third thing is this. A poor understanding of God's love and care for us. I don't think we really get how much he cares about us. Do you really get how much God loves you? How much he cares about you? If you're struggling to get that, then you're going to think that your well-being is on your own back. You'll think you need to control everything. You'll think that you need to work everything out. But then when this strange and amazing feeling of God's love and care for you gets inside of you, it begins to liberate you from being the chief warrior of your life. And now God takes that place. He says, Daniel, let me worry about that. And that leads me to my final point. Some people are praising Jesus because you're just like, I want to get to Thanksgiving break. All right, third point. A deep understanding of God's love and care for us is the only force that can truly free us from anxiety. Jesus' love and care for you shown on the cross is your, it was the only way that you can get free from anxiety. The only way. Think about how different we would be if we truly understand just how much God loves us we truly understood how much he loved us, it would change everything in our lives. Like we'd stop going to that sin over and over again, that sin that's been taking root in your life that seems so attractive, but you say, wow, God loves me that much. How could I ever go to something that breaks his heart? If we understood how much he loved us, then we would stop devaluing ourselves and, and allowing people to take advantage of us because trying to get love from them, all right? Because we have all our confidence and love from Jesus, who's the God it's over everything. If we, guys, if we understood how much God loved us, then we wouldn't be so anxious. I really believe that because he is taking care of your life. He's the preserver of your life. He's watching out for you. He's focused on you. And when you get that, then you don't need to focus on yourself. Jesus gave up his own life so that you could live. He said, I'm going to give up myself. I'm going to say no to self-preservation so that these people can live. He gave his life for us on the cross so each of us wouldn't have to be slaves to self-preservation because he says, I'm worrying about your life. 
I'm taking care of it. I'm taking care of it so much so that I'm going to pay, pay your punishment on the cross so that you don't have to. How amazing is that? While the world tells us that people's opinions of us are the things that truly matter, God tells us that his opinions, the only one that matters. And he looks at you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith in him. Some of us still need to do that tonight, but if you've done that, Jesus looks at you and he's well pleased. God looks at you and says, that's my son. That's my daughter. I'm well pleased with her. And when that truth gets in your heart, you don't give a poop what people think about you because God has a great opinion of you. The third thing, Obviously, if we understand that God loves us, then we don't have a poor understanding. So that answers that one. But God loves you. He cares about you. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting our anxieties on him, or casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. If you want to be liberated from these chains, then you need to let this verse sink deep into your heart. And you need to be introduced or reintroduced to God's tremendous off-the-charts love for you. God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And then he raised him from the grave. And all we have to do now is put our faith in him. And if we do that, we'll have eternal life. We'll have victory over death, sin, hell, and the grave. And nothing can do anything to us because we have eternal life. And if God loves us that much, if he cares about us that much, then how can we worry about these trivial things of life? How can we not trust him with our daily trials? So tonight I pray that each of us would understand that Jesus has our back, that he cares for us, that, uh, that we can't control everything, and that the God over all the stars holds our life in our hands, or in his hands. So tonight I want to close by doing this. I just want to take this passage from Philippians. It's going to take a couple minutes. and just go verse by verse and show you what to do when you get anxious, okay? And I'm not pretending that it's going to take care of everything. I'm still working on my anxiety, so I'm not going to pretend that I have the healing power for you tonight. But Jesus does, and I want to point you in that direction. Is that okay? All right. So when you're tempted to be anxious, the first thing you should do is begin to rejoice. Thank God for who he is. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Gratitude and praise is a great remedy for anxiety. It's hard to be anxious when you're praising. Praise and anxiety cannot occupy the same space. So when you're anxious, thank God for what he's done. Put those headphones in, blast the worship music, and praise Jesus until the anxiety goes away. Second thing, when you're tempted to be anxious, choose perspective. Choose to have a right perspective. I know that's hard when you're in that zone, but choose perspective. Verse 5, it says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So Paul exhorts the Philippians to be reasonable. And another translation of that word is gentle, so be gentle, fair, or be mild. That's what that word means, be reasonable, gentle, fair, mild. So when we're tempted to be anxious, choose perspective, choose to be reasonable and to think it through. Search for the source of your anxiety and commit in your heart that you're going to respond as a son or daughter of the king and not as someone who doesn't have a defender because you have a mighty defender who's taking care of you. And remember that man cannot do anything to you. Choose that perspective. Jesus is fighting for you. If God is for you, then who can be against you? Put your anxious thoughts in that bigger perspective. Put your anxious thoughts in the grand scheme of your life. The third thing is when you're tempted to be anxious, pray. Pray to the God who cares for you. And I have some friends who want to share that with you a little bit more. So if we have a video up here, oh, the music's not coming on. Come on.
to call Jesus, all right? That's what she said. All right, verse 6. I love those girls. I don't know. They're cool. All right, verse 6. That's what I need in my head when I'm getting anxious. Call Jesus. All right. So first thing, or not the first thing, the third thing is pray. So do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, holla back, and let your request be made known to God. It's not in the Bible. All right. Paul encourages the Philippians to not be anxious, but to pray with the heart of thanksgiving and make your request known to God. Go ahead and tell him. He can handle it. He can handle your request. He can handle it. Tell him your request. Share those with him. Tell God what's on your mind. Cast your anxieties on him and let him worry about them. And thank him for hearing you because he cares about you and he's hearing you. God actually listens to you. Do you know that? He cares. I love what G.W. Hansen, he's a guy that did a great job writing a commentary on, on the book of Philippians. He says this. He says, prayer is our openness about our needs before God, about our emptiness in his presence, our absolute dependence upon him, and with an attitude of constant thanksgiving and complete trust. And when we pray with that attitude, the focus is, is so get this, the focus is, it's not at all upon what we are doing or will do, but on what God will do. God will do something supernatural beyond our best abilities and thoughts. The peace of God will guard us. So when you pray, it's, it's kind of shifting your trust from yourself to him, saying, God's got this. God's got this. All right, the last thing. When you're tempted to be anxious, think about what's true and, and what's lovely. So verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, and whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Every time you're anxious, choose to think about things that are worth thinking about. Think about the honorable. Think about the true. Think about the pure. Think about the lovely. Think about the commendable. And use this opportunity. You're getting anxious. Say, hey, it's time to, rec- to recite scripture to myself. It's time to pray. It's, it's time to dwell on Jesus and not on my circumstances. Think about what's pure. Think about what's lovely. And when we do these things, I love what happens when we do these things, when we draw near to God in our time of worry and anxiety. Verse 9 says this. It says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So you just said all these things to do. When you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. So even if your circumstances are tough, even if you have genuine reasons why to be anxious, the God of peace will at least be there with you and help you through it. The God of peace will be with you. So I encourage you, write these things down, and I encourage you to do that. I've been practicing it myself when I get anxious. I've been practicing the art of, let me see what my first point was, I forgot, of rejoicing, choosing perspective, praying, and thinking about the lovely. I promise as you do that, anxiety will begin to lose its grip. So if the worship team would come up, we're going to close here. So verse 9, you know, Paul is saying, when we practice, so here's the thing, Paul is saying, practice the things that I've been doing. So when we practice the things that the apostles did. So these apostles who wrote the New Testament were pretty incredible, okay? Like they were put in prison, they were persecuted, they were killed for the faith, but these men and women were able to have supernatural peace no matter what their circumstances are. Like these people are getting stoned, they're getting beat up, bad things are happening, but in the midst of that, they have the supernatural joy and peace. They were able to trust in Jesus and to live lives generally pretty free of worry. So I think that should encourage us. These guys had way worse circumstances, these ladies had just way worse circumstances, and they were able to have joy. So I encourage you to look at their example and to follow that, just as Paul said. And that's why we read Scripture, so we can be encouraged by them. If you're struggling with anxiety, 
and you're not reading the Bible, start reading the Bible. It's going to help you, I promise. So the main idea tonight is this. Through Jesus, we can live a life of deep, com- or deep contentment and joy, just no matter what our circumstances are. So the reality is, each person in this room struggles with anxiety, stress, fear, or this worry to some extent. Some of you take medication, some of you don't. And some of you constantly stress and worry. But everyone struggles to some extent with this. And I think God wants to talk to us tonight. You know, maybe you're stressing about a test coming up. Maybe you're stressing about going home next week. Maybe you're, you know, stressed about finding that spouse. And maybe you get worried about all the terrible current events that have been happening. But no matter what uh, your struggle is tonight, God wants to tell you that he cares for you, and he wants to carry your problems. And wherever you're at in your journey, I believe that God wants to give you more freedom than when you walked in. And the only way we can do that is if each of us allow God's deep love and care for us to settle in our hearts and to move us to trust him more. And if you're in this room tonight and you have not put your faith in Christ, I believe that tonight's your night. I believe every night's your night, but I believe that tonight's your night because we're in tonight, all right? So if you are not following Jesus, it's time to put your faith in him tonight. God wants you to transfer your trust from yourself to him. Jesus stood in your place. He paid your penalty so that you could be in right relationship with God. He gave up his self-preservation so that he could preserve your life, so he could preserve your eternal life. When you were separated from God because of your sins, Jesus paid the ultimate price so that you could be with God for eternity. And now Jesus is inviting you into that relationship into that relationship. So I pray tonight that you would surrender to him and jump into that tonight. I pray that you dive into that relationship. You guys would stand with me. I'm going to pray for us. So in summary, tonight, the Prince of Peace is standing at the door of each of our hearts, whether you're a Christian or not, and he's saying, let me take care of you. Let me handle this. And now we have to respond. We have to throw our trust into him. You know, life may be tough, circumstances may change, they may be difficult, but as Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter what happens, no matter what happens, you can find security and love in Jesus Christ.